It's 11.05 on WSIC News Radio, and you're listening to We're Just Saying with Senator Vicki Sawyer and David. If you'd like to be part of our show, 844-STUDIO-4, and we are streaming live on the WSIC News Facebook page, as well as we're finally back on YouTube. We got out of YouTube jail. Really? We did. We got out of YouTube jail, which is fantastic, uh, But and looking at the uh, show outline that Senator Sawyer sent me today, we could end up back there fairly quickly, but that's all right. But Vicki, it is so great to be back with you. It's been it's been a minute. Well, uh, yeah, I know. I'm enjoying our freedom. I mean, I was gone last week. Is that how we got in YouTube jail? I, I fronted over to you. Oh no, it was like it was. Uh, um, honestly, I want to blame. I want to blame Jeff McNeely. I feel like okay. it was probably it was probably his fault at some point in yeah, time. Okay. But uh, but now that uh, Representative Jason Sane is on the network, who knows? Right. It, it, who knows? It could be any number of things that got us there. But we are back out of YouTube jail, and it is great to be back today. It how has your summer been? It is summer has been great, and I'm. It's fun that you asked that question, David, because we're so close friends, but we're both so busy now, and it seems like we don't ever get to talk unless we come to the radio show and it's been a minute since we've been able to be on together and absolutely and this is our actually our first show together out of studio c studio c is obviously for Koval. yeah um i did uh, i did uh, uh put my name image and likeness to it WSIC okay gave me a very generous sponsorship package uh-huh. out of that so it is now studio Koval. So okay just so you know when you come in here it has to be called that okay all right well i mean i'm, I'm happy to be here in studio Koval. it makes me feel like i'm high rent as they say because yes. it's a beautiful studio wsic is doing amazing things to upgrade their station and I'm just grateful that they continue to have me on. Absolutely. So, so obviously, throughout the summer, there was, there has been a little bit of a breakdown in Raleigh. Yes. Uh, but with uh, everything going on, I know there's been multiple places, representatives out, vacations, mm-hmm. things like that. But budget, budget, budget. Yeah. Uh, we have talked about that. Um, I uh, filled in last week with uh, uh, Senator Jake Johnson on, or Senator Jake Johnson, Representative Jake Johnson. Sure. Uh, with on uh, Representative Jason Sane's show. He, uh, you know, obviously we talked some budget then, but it fi- mm-hmm. looks like we've finally gotten some movement. I know you had said that uh, coming in, there were some budget items going on. So yeah. talk about where we are with the budget. Yeah. So budget, budget, budget. I always say it sounds like such a drag to talk about, especially at home. That means like usually when Brett and I talk about a budget, it means we're not going out to dinner on a Friday night, you know, yeah. but this is a little bit different. The budget is not only just how we spend the taxpayer money. There's a lot of policy in that budget too. And some, some exciting things that we're moving forward, but yes, uh, Senator Berger and, and Speaker Moore both have been working hard to get through this. Um, I know that I've seen some Twitter followers about why can't you get your jobs done and you know this is you know asinine that you don't have a budget yet but remember the federal government is the one that shuts down if there isn't a budget North Carolina government continues we have a continuing resolution that we government is funded Um, we had also planned to be out in July so we all have lives and we do sometimes enjoy going on a vacation and summer vacation especially with children and so it's hard to get you know, all 30 senators together at one time, and especially in the House with 72 Republican members, which you're going to need for some stuff that we're going to talk about later, which is the veto overrides. Mm-hmm. Um, you need all hands on deck. And that's just hard management-wise to get people who have different lives and a part-time legislator all on the same page and on the same time. Oh, absolutely. And this is actually your first budget with uh, Cornelius at no- yes. in the North Charlotte area as part of your um, as part of your district. Yeah. And so, uh, so from your standpoint, um, obviously... Last time around, you had Iredell and Yatkin. Yes. Um, so, you know, very different than the Northern Charlotte, you know, probably closer Mooresville, Hunters, or Mooresville, yeah. Cornelius, very similar, Davidson, similar. But, you know, uh, Yatkin, obviously, very rural, agricultural. Right. So now um, moving towards Charlotte, talk a little bit about sort of the differences in sort of how you approach the budget from this standpoint versus when your district included Yatkin. Yeah. So, Yatkin County is just a fabulous place. And I hope if you have a day's drive to go up there and a visit, they have some great vineyards. 
amazing bike trails, beautiful art scenes. So please make sure to go and visit. It's just a great location to go and hang out. But um, Cornelius Mooresville, Huntersville, in fact, Davidson, I don't represent Davidson, but I feel like I kind of do because they're all our neighbors. They have the same issues, Mm -hmm. right? High growth area, which means traffic. Mm -hmm. And traffic is just the number one thing that I hear in my office and that what thing that I talk to about everyone in the Department of Transportation. Um, There is some things that we are moving at a structural level, um, and you'll see come up. uh, We'd already passed the bill of the Senate about how are we going to restructure the Board of Transportation to have more of a representative um, people who are on the board that are appointed by the General Assembly and not just by the governor. Now, this isn't just a, I hate Cooper stance or anything like that. It just means that we really do need to have more of a balance of power. So there possibly could be more um, board appointees from the House and the Senate than the governor. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it is basically controlled by the governor and the governor's appointees and the governor's secretary. So there's not really a checks and balances. All of that goes into this. How do we revamp the DOT and their structure to make sure that we address the concerns of high growth areas? I think we are failing areas like Mooresville and Huntersville and Cornelius by this 10 years construction plan called the STEP. Uh, I appreciate its idea. It was to take politics out of uh you know, construction. Um, But unfortunately, it doesn't address the needs for those areas that have just this amount of folks moving in. I think, what is it, the Charlotte region is like 118 people a day are moving into our area. Something, something, I just heard that stat, forgive me for not remembering. Well, and Mooresville was actually named the fastest growing city in North Carolina very recently. So obviously you've got it going on both sides. Yeah. And and then also look at the structure and the constitution of North Carolina. You know, we had Larry Shaheen on uh, about a month ago talking about legally you know, municipalities cannot stop growth, <laughs> right? There's nothing in their toolbox that will allow them to say, no, you can't develop that. And honestly, as a landowner that you've had your family land for a hundred years and you want to move to the beach, I mean, shouldn't you be able to sell your your property for the highest and best use? Um, so there's just a, it's a really tangled web, especially in North Carolina, um, about what tools that municipalities have. Well, what we do need to give municipalities is the tool to build roads. Mm-hmm. I think we should give them some better avenues to be able able to address those high traffic areas in a more timely fashion. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's the age old problem, right? And I know you've done, you have done a lot of work um, on the gas tax and the funding formulas. And so that you can, you can work on the, you can work on the funding formula and everything like that. But if you do not have the appropriate, um, you know, structure in place from a management standpoint and a decision-making standpoint, uh, you know, having the money is secondary, right? right? You got to have the appropriate structure in place to make the decisions and to actually make these things work. Absolutely. You know, it comes to mind. I know transportation is such a big deal. In fact, some people think the reason why we have Governor Cooper in office is because of the toll roads here that, you know, that um, are on 77. Um, But, you know, some of those campaign promises that Governor Cooper was making hasn't come to fruition, like buying out the the contract or, (laughs) you know, very simply hardening the shoulders. Remember that whole idea about how they were going to make the shoulders of I-77 on the free lanes uh, tougher so that when there is an accident, you could you know, use that, that shoulder line, you know, that hasn't happened either. And we're at the, almost the end of his term. I mean, so all of these broken promises, I'm just frustrated. You know, you and I've lived here a long time. We went to college at UNCC, go Niners. Go Niners. I actually bought football tickets this year. You I w- did? I am going to be a football fan. I really wow. am. You're going to be a football I, fan. I'm working on it. But well, I noticed, but you know, 
obviously we may have talked about this off the air. You, yes. you did not make me aware that you were going to be buying tickets in my stadium. And so uh. <laughs> I feel like one, I need to know where your seats are. Um, if they're better than mine, then we need to have a, we need to have a conversation yes. because then I'm, I'm, I'm calling inside cooking. Okay. Right? I'm calling inside. Cooking. Yes. I recognize you're a Senator, but you better not have better seats than me. I paid full fare for the seats, but I have. I'm sure that you did, but yeah. like, you know, you, you need to, you need to be among the people and I uh-huh. am most decidedly among the people. Okay. Very <laughs> very good. Well then hopefully some of you others uh, folks will come and enjoy us at the fall football and help me, help me learn to be a football fan. Well, that we, or college I, if you would fan. like, I'll set up some tutorials. Would you please? Um, yes. Some okay. big, uh, I'll draw some pictures okay. um, and just, we'll just get a foundation going for you. Well, unfortunately though, if you do hit traffic on the way from Mooresville or Huntersville down to a UNC Charlotte football game, you can't drive on the shoulders. No, you cannot you drive cannot, on the shoulders. Which is those broken promises. And, and that's why I'm really excited to see the change of the board and what we're going to move forward to, uh, to try to be better responsive to the people's needs. Yeah, absolutely. You are listening to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio. We'll be right back. Country flair here I for like, Vicky Lynn. I like. <laughs> I am a little bit country. You are, and a little, little bit rock and roll. Uh, yes, you are yes, both. Welcome yes. back. To, we were just saying with Senator Vicky Sawyer and David. Like to be part of our show eight four four Studio Four. We are still streaming live on the WSIC News Facebook page and hopefully still on YouTube. I don't think we've gotten kicked off it just yet. But um, it's funny. Yes. Just before the break, we were talking about um, budget and everything like that. And you said that you know, t- you know, never really fun talking at home about the budget. And like when you and Brett talk about the budget, it's like you know, well, can we afford to eat out yeah. like in my house it's like we're going out to eat it's just what are we not going to pay on the other side oh okay. it's like <laughs> so you can't get those new uh, set of kicks that you wanted because i mean you, your sneaker game is strong you know what my i honestly as my wife will tell you i, I have a problem yes i have a problem i do enjoy a a cool set of sneakers i did mm-hmm. find um the nike app and the nike by you function there and I sometimes I have trouble sleeping and so I find myself at 3 a.m. designing different types of shoes and I feel like I have a flair for it. Yeah. So I, I feel do. like at some point in time Nike's gonna see my activity and decide so to give me a job. That is why your wife Amanda and I get along so well. So I think she and I probably have a similar wardrobe. It's black and brown and white and you know we were very we're just very, you know, traditional. That's exactly. what we're gonna do. But both of our husbands enjoy nice sneakers and nice clothes. Which and is why me and your husband get along that's so, so right. well. <laughs> that's why Brett why, why Brett Sawyer is one of my favorite people. But um I'm going in, obviously, uh, we are in campaign season, yes, um, right? Yes. A lot of announcements going on. Um, obviously, we, we've talked about the announcements that have been for uh, the speaker. You're not running for North Carolina speaker, are you? No, sir, I okay. am not. All right, just want to make do, sure. Just nor make do sure. I have an opinion. Okay, excellent. Yes. <laughs> great point, great point. But uh, we did have, a, we are in campaign season, and Dan Bishop yes. um, announced uh, for Attorney General, yes. um, I guess it was last week, yeah. and um, and really, in that, in a span of a week, put in a pretty impressive haul of right. fundraising. Yeah, so I think he raised almost half a million dollars just with his announcement that same day or the day after. I mean, it was tons of money. I think they have a goal of over a million dollars in a week. Seems like he's going to get there. Yeah. I mean, he's just really got the machine going. Um, I know when we talk about politics and money, most folks like are like, Ugh, you know, that just is such a disgusting topic. But honestly, it is the mother's milk of a campaign because you have to. And we saw like with uh, Governor Cooper versus um, 
uh, Lieutenant Dan Governor Dan Forrest, how important money is on that mm-hmm. because Governor Cooper was able to buy out all of the TV advertising in the major me- media markets before Dan Forrest could even have a chance to place a commercial. Exactly. And it's interesting, uh, a few weeks ago when uh, myself and Larry Shaheen filled in mm-hmm. um, while you were um, while you were at a conference, you know, he brought up the fact that, you know, Democrats historically have just done it better mm-hmm. in raising funds and things like that, which is why, you know, which is why Josh Stein has the war chest right. that he does, which is why Governor Cooper has been able to accumulate the war chest he has. So getting out there and fundraising, but I think a lot of people don't realize that there are multiple different arms of fundraising, right? You have the campaign, you, right. you have um, the candidate who raises money, you are you have to accept individual donations mm-hmm. or um, you can uh, uh, do nonprofit donations, mm-hmm. but you are capped out at $6,400, right. I believe, that right. is the per new person. threshold per mm-hmm. person or, or, in, or nonprofit entity. Mm-hmm. So that is all you can do. Right. But then there are 501c3 organizations, there are 501 501c4 organizations, mm-hmm. all of which that can collect money. They have different rules that govern them, but all of them play in the political game and in the campaigns. Right, they do. And I'm grateful for you to um, talk about that because it is so interesting to me. Well, it was on the sheet you gave me. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I appreciate the credit of just, you know, tossing it out there, but it was on the sheet that I, you told I, me I, I had to talk about. I was going to give you credit, David. I was going to give you credit. Um, but no, there there is this, this, this weird thing that those of us who are in the political sphere understand these, uh, what they call independent expenditure committees very well. Um, but if you're outside of it and you see like, you know, the daily uh, mailer that's coming with my picture on it, um, but when you actually read the group that sent it is out, most oftentimes it's not the committee to elect Vicki Sawyer. Right. It could be another committee. It could be someone as the PAC or it could be independent expenditure. But I do want to talk about how that works mm-hmm. and what, what role that has in fundraising. But they're basically organizations or companies that are nonprofit. There are certain restrictions on them, correct? Like uh, when you said 50346, those are all organized under a nonprofit, but there's different restrictions on each one of those. All of them, though, have to go into education, right? Mm -hmm. So like half of their money or some of their money needs to go towards an educational effort. So let's say if you are a group that wants to save the reindeer, Mm -hmm. let's just say that. Okay. (laughs) Which is is a problem in North Carolina. (laughs) Well, actually, there is a big issue with uh, deer uh, in North Carolina right now. But not reindeer, though. Not reindeer, (laughs) but but let's just say that there's a group who's very concerned about reindeer. And and we're talking R-E-I-N deer, not R-A-I-N. So it's not deer in the rain. It's reindeer. It's just so we're clear. Yes. We like to be clear on this show. (laughs) So saying the rain, dear. Okay. So say that's your group and you set it up and you have a board just like you would any other nonprofit. Um, And then you can go out and ask for donations from both individuals, but also from companies, right? So if if you have a company that has a corporate interest in saving reindeer, uh, then you can, uh, that company can give money to this organization. Um, but the thing is, is that the organization can gladly collect all that money, but in certain organizations, you do not have to disclose who the donors are. Correct. So if Save the Reindeer got a huge contribution from the North Pole, yeah, yeah LLC. This is a fantastic metaphor that you're carrying out. Do you like it? I love it. Well, I it makes it. sense, right? Because it's not putting anybody in a spot. But yeah, so, so Save the Reindeer organization, uh, which is a 501c, let's say six, which has more freedom than the other two organizations. So they, Santa Claus has his company send down a huge, you know, campaign donation. Then that organization at that point um, can take the money, but they don't have to report whom they reported the money to. Now, do they have to do taxes? Of course. Yes. Do they have to do all these other things? Yes. They're organized 
just like any other business. Um, the only thing that they do have to do is take most of that, most, half of that money in some instances and spend it on educational efforts. Well, what does that educational effort look like? Like, David, if you were part of that company, what would be an educational effort that you would do to save the reindeer? Well, I would uh, obviously in that situation um, with these organizations, you, the, there are magic words that you are not allowed to use. Okay, let's talk about um, that. And so uh, support, vote for, vote against. There are uh, basically nothing can be construed as a direct advocation for or being a direct advocate for a candidate. Okay. That is the key um, as, as when you're talking about these education things. So for a 501c4, 501c6, the, the key would be, hey, uh, uh, call Vicky, email Vicki Sawyer and thank her for supporting uh, saving uh, the saving of our reindeer off on on I seventy seven. Okay, all right, that would be you know that that would be the type of thing. Call such and such candidate and tell them to make sure that um, you know to lower the electric bill on reindeers with red noses. Okay. Right, that would be that kind of thing where you are not advocating directly for a candidate, but the educate you are providing an educational thing that talks about their support for an issue and things like that. But you're not advocating for anyone to directly vote for them. Right, there's and that is key, right? right. That is key. And that this now Save the Reindeer. So say Save the Reindeer really like supports me. Um, are they allowed to call me and tell me what they're doing? No, there right. can be no coordination uh, between campaigns and candidates um, or organizations and, and political candidates. That is a big, big no, no. So when someone, so this often, and I'm grateful for the support that I get from organizations, but oftentimes I get calls from uh, folks and they'll say, will you please stop selling me, sending me mailers or mad emails, stop mailing me. And I, you know, Respond. It wasn't me, yeah. right? But because that's and I didn't even know they were coming, right? And that's that's like a big no no if I were to know or coordinate what they were doing. Exactly. Right. And so and then but in this campaign, I mean, obviously this is an off year election, uh, so municipal elections are going on. So the good mm -hmm. thing is is mail will be a little more limited. Right. Um, but everyone is obviously ramping up for the twenty twenty four election cycle. And so and some uh, uh, some groups actually get out ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. Will start emailing. I mean, <clears throat> I think it was you know I think it was just after last. Last year's election, um, I received a few um, mm -hmm. mailers. Um, you know, you know, thank you. You know, I, I think one of them may have come from an organization. You know, mm -hmm. thanking you for um, your support of the. Um, I think I think it was the um, which one was it? It was the edu It was uh, one of the education yeah. things that you did. But it was thank Vicky Sawyer for this. Yeah. And so it was um, one of those things. But really, as we get ready to ramp up into the 2024 cycle, it will actually end up being pretty obnoxious yeah. because it is a presidential election year. Yeah. Um, it is a gubernatorial election. It is, um, you know, we obviously Congress, state, so everything is on the ballot all right. the way across the board uh, coming up in this next, uh, you know, minus municipal elections, obviously, coming mm -hmm. up in this next election cycle. Mm -hmm. So we will see a lot of that going on. Well, and actually, I was surprised. Uh, um, I had a friend who was uh, dropping off his child at uh, University of Tennessee, and he texted me, and he said, hey, I just saw a billboard for you in Statesville. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I had no idea. Well, thank you so much. And I'm not sure who it was for, and I'm appreciative of that. But th but those are kind of things that you just don't know. But that's how uh, a lot of these groups are getting out ahead of the game, and you're going to start seeing it. Uh, candidates are calling around and asking for donations, and that is just the, the point of where we're at. And um, it's important because in a presidential election, it's so hard to get your message across because the airwaves are filled with the top of the ticket, right? And mm -hmm. whoever that's going to be for the Republican side. And, and whoever... the rates are more expensive the, right. in a presidential year. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't. That you just have to get your message out. Oh, absolutely, and that's one of the things that I think is interesting is, is that you know people do decry money in politics, and and I get it. Um, but once you once you have spent a little bit of time in campaigns and spent a little bit of time, you know, even like you know, for example, when 
we did the bond campaign yeah. uh, in Mooresville, right? That was for a school bond, but we had to raise money to get the money to so, get the message so out. It was required. Really quick before we have to go, David uh, will remember this because David was my unpaid campaign manager, right? <laughs> yes. My volunteer, volunteer, um, campaign manager, it. and it was great. It was a <laughs> wonderful experience when I first ran, but um, I wasn't able to raise a lot of money because we had a big name in the race against us, and so um, I remember that we could not afford a poll. I remember I asked you, I said, David, how much does it cost to, you know, do a polling for Iredell County? And at the time, I think it was like $8,000. And now I think they're up to like $14,000 to do one poll. It is, right. And so the only way that you and I knew that we were doing good is when we saw a negative mailer come in the mail. And so I would see like the worst picture of me and terrible and just like I was sitting there hugging Hillary Clinton. And I would call (laughs) David. I'm like, yes, yes, we're doing good, David, because I got another negative mailer. Exactly. What what that told me was is the other guys have polls and it's telling them, They've got a problem. That's yeah. why they're going out of town. So this is fantastic. Yeah. This is awesome. But yeah, but no, um, obviously, uh, you will obviously be doing the uh, the dialing for dollars yes, thing. It's, it's, it's part of the job as, as a candidate and everything like that. So definitely encourage people, if you are a supporter of Vicky, take her phone call. That'd be yeah. really nice. Thank you. Yeah, I'd appreciate <laughs> You're listening that. to We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio. We'll be right back. I like it. Oh, you said you were a little country, a little rock and roll. This, you know, has has both in it. Yeah, perfect. To perfect. Encapsulate you. Welcome yes. back to We're Just Saying, uh, WSIC News with Senator Vicki Sawyer and David. I'd like to be part of our show, 844-STUDIO-4. We are still streaming live on the WSIC News Facebook page as well as YouTube. You know, i got to tell you, we need, with all the cool technology and all of the upgrades that have been made here, we really need a makeup person because when I look on the screen and I see my head, yeah. the glare is blinding even oh, to me. So David. I have got, I've got, we've got to get, I've got to get some, some powder or something going on up here. So as not to blind people with the glare of the hot studio lights off my forehead. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, we had talked about another edition or a camera in here. We did. We, we had actually had, you know, I feel like calf cam. Yeah. Uh, to go because like it, it, and that's a very inside joke for people yes, who love to is. talk about my calves. It's like my one redeeming quality. Yeah. Um, obviously, aside <laughs> from my um, dashing good looks and, and magnetic personality. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like there's sponsorship opportunities. Uh, yes. There. Yeah. So the Cobles <laughs> calves. Cal- so, yes. Cobles calves. Uh-huh. Exactly. Cobles But um, so. obviously, I, I joked earlier that we were yeah. off of uh, YouTube out of YouTube jail. We may be getting ready to violate our parole with this one. I'm but ready. You're ready. I mean, not since the days of the Landro case where I was. You were going to have to ship me smokes in jail. Exactly. Exactly. To make, you know, make sure you weren't sold for a carton of Luckies to yeah. somebody or yes, something like that. Exactly. Um, lawsuits from COVID. A lot yes. of those seems to be mounting up right yeah. now. Yeah. And these are ones that had been filed in like you know, anything with our judicial system. It just seems like the hands of time move so slow. Um, but yeah, there's one that's getting a lot of attention. But um, th- remember, I mean, that's how we started the show. Mm-hmm. That it was ex- during COVID. It was during COVID because we felt like we couldn't get out there or talk to people. There's so many things happening each day. And so this was a great uh, start of our show. So that's, I think, one of the only good things that came out of COVID was this amazing show. Well, yes, yeah, soon to be a local. Uh, do they make? Do they give local Emmys? Oh, Which, you I, know I really what? feel like they should. Maybe we should start the sanctioning body for local in- Emmys. Yes, and, and that would not be self-serving at all. <laughs> Never, not at all. <laughs> because we just appreciate good content That's, and free speech. That's uh, what we're here for. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but so there are some that are working through the courts, and one is, you know, I think one of the most, probably the one that hit 
the earliest was the shutdown of Ace Motor Speedway. That was mm-hmm. out of Alamance County or Burlington area with Mandy Cohen. Um, they kept on racing whether they wanted to or not, and Mandy Cohen shut them down. That is still in the court system. Uh, the shutdown of private bars across North Carolina. Remember when Governor Cooper labeled bars not essential? Mm-hmm. Now, that's up for debate. Yeah, yeah but, um, true story. Yeah, <laughs> that's up for debate. But where if you were a restaurant, then you could open even if you sold alcohol. But if you were a bar, you could not. So that that lawsuit science. is still. Yeah, it's science. science. Data. Data. I, <laughs> I still shiver a little bit, like for PTSD from hearing any of that stuff, because it was such a hard time. Um, another one that's still in the, in the hoppers is the flagship campuses of our university system, NC State and Chapel Hill, which hurts me when I say that because I'm such a 49er fan. Um, but when they did not allow children to or students to come back on campus, but they still collected their student fees. Right. So that that one is still on the course. But this one is the one that I think is getting the most attention. I'm very excited to see where it happens. But in Guilford, in Guilford County during COVID, they had a football guy, a 14-year-old son, or um, his stepdad drove him to a testing clinic. Guilford County Schools had said, hey, there's a breakout of COVID on the team or maybe in the sports department. You need to get go get tested before you can get back on the football field. Well, if you guys remember during COVID, you couldn't go into any kind of medical facility with anybody else other than yourself. So here goes this 14-year-old. He goes into get tested. Well, in the testing facility, they also had a vaccination facility right there. So he gets tested, and uh, I believe, he, I'm not even remember what he gets, uh, if it's, I think it had to be negative because the vaccination facility said, hey, we, why don't we just go ahead and vaccinate you right now? And he said, well, I need to call my mom. And so they tried calling his mom and they couldn't get his mom in there. Of course, his stepdad, you know, is out there. They could have spoken to him, but they didn't. And they just told the kid, hey, why don't you go ahead and just get vaccinated? And just that way you don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, there's a big problem there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a minor. He's under 18. Uh, You're making medical decisions without a parental consent. Um, I'm sure that they felt like they were doing the right thing, but now we know maybe they weren't. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of concern over that. So the mom um, has, you know, has uh, definitely sued the Guilford County and the Guilford County school systems um, because they did a forks forced vaccination on their child. So this is going to be very interesting as it moves forward. I, I hope that the courts come into on the side of the mom and this family, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I don't hope, I hope this never happens again. But what we did learn during COVID is that our laws were so vague as to how this should be handled, that executive authority was breached and, and overreached into our daily decisions in our own health care. Yeah, 100%. We do have a phone call here on We're Just Saying on WSIC News Radio. William from Statesville, how are you? How about you, David and Vicky? Hey. Doing great, sir. How are you? Thank you for calling in. Yeah, I just had a, a praise for both of you folks trying to do the hard work out here because not only do we have problems, but then you have a, a governor in our state that is via vetoing just about every piece of sheet of paper mm-hmm. that comes across his desk. So you have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to praise you guys for doing a good job and good work out there trying to get things done. Um, our infrastructure is probably, I know this sounds pessimistic, but it's probably never going to get caught up um, with the urban growth that we've got going on. So we've got that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, is that with the possibility of marijuana use being passed legally in the state of North Carolina in the future, mm-hmm. could that be the revenue that would help with maybe some of the infrastructure projects that are going on? 
Excellent. Yeah. yeah, thank you, William, for the call. That's a great question yeah, as, uh, because I know medical has been something that has been uh, talked about a good little bit. Full legalization, really not on the board, at least at the moment. Mm -hmm. But talk. But that's actually a great point of as a future revenue stream. Yeah, and so what we've seen in other states, though, is kind of a mixed bag when you talk about uh, medical marijuana or recreational marijuana as a revenue stream. Recently had... Um, went to a conference and spoken to a, a representative out of Colorado. And although it was a cash cow at the beginning, it's actually leveled out now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also created a, a lot of other public health concerns that they have to fund that they didn't have to before. Um, it was... You mean there were unintended consequences? There's unintended Imagine consequences. Imagine that. Well, and then, and then they kind of got like a, she said, like a you know, the fat cow disease where because they were one of the first in the nation, everyone was coming there for travel and not everyone. People were coming there travel and tourism just for medical marijuana to, or for recreational marijuana tourism. But now we see states like Virginia who's mm -hmm. going to have recreational and all these other places. So their, you know, revenue stream kind of dropped up. Um, yeah. So we are looking at any other ways to tax things. I guess you'd call it a sin tax if you want to on medical marijuana that ne not necessarily making it a sin. Vice. Um, a vice or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is, but there is a, you know, a, a, a strong movement against that. Um, folks who do not want to see marijuana in any form or fashion be legalized in North Carolina. Um, you see that in the House. So even though the Senate passed medical marijuana, uh, doubt and the Speaker has said that it will not move in this session. Um, so it's still going to be some years away before we get any movement on that. Absolutely. And real quick, uh, circling back before the break on the uh, vac on the uh, vaccination case, I think one of the key things, right? I mean, you know, the student fees um, and collecting the student fees. Obviously, that's that's something you know that that is is key. The shutting down of bars and restaurants mm -hmm. and things like that. But to me, the, the vaccination question and the forced vaccination policies that mm -hmm. we saw during that time, to me, that is the central and critical sort of question that needs to be settled coming out of the pandemic, coming out of COVID. Because what we had was a situation where you were being required to take on, at that time, an yeah. unproven medical vaccine in order mm -hmm. to keep your job, in order to let your kid go to school. Mm -hmm. And that is, that brings in a huge personal freedom implication that, you know, there will at some point in time be another situation mm -hmm. where we will find ourselves, um, you know, in a situation similar to COVID mm -hmm. and answering these questions. Now, like sometimes you don't have answers to questions until after the situation right. has already happened, right? And so we're playing catch up on, okay, what are our lessons learned coming out of this? Well, obviously it's coming through the, the court system, but that forced vaccine vaccination issue and how we deal with those things and people's personal freedom to me is the central question that has to be rectified coming out of co coming out of COVID. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I, I know. I know. That's why I said That's it. why you're here. <laughs> That's why I'm here to summarize and offer all these fact things. But no, you absolutely could have said it much better, far more in a better voice than me. Obviously. Oh, I don't know about the, that. The dulcet tones of Senator Vicki Sawyer. You are listening to We're Just Saying on WSIC News. We will be right back after the break. Getting the groove. Club WSIC. 
It is Friday, y'all. <laughs> it is Friday, y'all. Right into the weekend. Welcome back to We're Just Saying with Senator Vicky like Sawyer it. and David. Like to be part of our show, 844-STUDIO-4. We are streaming live on the WSIC News Facebook page, and hopefully we have not uh, found ourselves in YouTube uh, jail oh, after our not. last topic. But a little something interesting. Yeah. Like, like, you started the show talking about how you purchased tickets yes. to UNC Charlotte, and then mm-hmm. we have football. A, a football topic that actually initiated by you. I know. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm really going to be in it this year. I mean, I like, I, I don't know what to make of this I, new hey, sports-minded you know Vicky Sawyer. I know. I need to get in a fantasy football league. I don't, I'm not currently yes, in do. one, so I need to understand what this is. Okay, get me into a fantasy football league. Obviously, in, in minimal amount of uh, minimal amount of money on your part to, to participate. Uh, and, and, and I will guide you. And I'll make I, sure that you you do exactly I, what you need to do. Um, I help you with your draft strategy. I'm a little worried about this. <laughs> you know, I had the same conversation with Representative Johnson. He questioned my motives as well. Yes, and yes. And I got to tell you, man, it hurts my heart a little bit. It hurts my heart a little bit. Well, no, we know you're only with good intentions, but I'm a giver. I, so this, so I always uh, on the show, I beat up on Governor Cooper a lot, but you know, it's just kind of fun. It's what we do. Um, I do agree with him on one thing. Uh oh, what is it? Oh my gosh. So. He actually sent a letter to the NCAA to grant an appeal to seek immediate eligibility for Tar Heel transfer Devontae Walker. Okay. So, okay, so football star, he uh, got injured when he was playing, uh, I think it was in Tennessee. But anyway, so he came back and then he um, enrolled days before, or transferred days before this new eligibility rule came in from NCAA. So they had ruled him ineligible to play UNC football. So he had done everything by the book beforehand, but now the overlord of the NCAA comes in Mm -hmm. and is taking away UNC football. Now, you know, I'm not really a big UNC Chapel Hill fan. Uh, I was going to say I have. I, I'm not sure that I'm I agree torn. with you on this take. I know. You know, I mean, any other school, sure, but yeah. Carolina, eh, you know, I but know it feels a little icky to be on their side. Just to be just fair, just a bit. But, and Governor Cooper at the and, same time. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, honestly, those two things together really ought. To, I mean, two negatives don't always make a positive. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, you know, but but I but I I, I am a principled human being okay, as are you, okay. and so I definitely understand the principle and and, and agree in principle yes. while while the application might be subject to interpretation. The, That's I, right. I do agree in principle that yeah, the NC, I, I've never been a fan of the NCAA. Yeah. I'm going to be fair with you. And um you know, if if someone follows the rule and they always it, they always pick the most random innocuous thing that you're mm-hmm. kind of like really mm-hmm. like and it's almost like they pick and choose where to apply and things like which is why so many people are just done with them yeah right and and really just I mean the talk of, of disbanding you know um, you know NCAA sports in, in their current form going to basically just all these schools bolting NCAA to see you later yeah um, th- that has just grown and grown and grown and largely mm-hmm. it's self-inflicted wounds based off their own decisions yeah what a what a shame because you know as someone who um, enjoyed college basketball growing up and I still enjoy going to college basketball games. That's where I'm, I'm bleeding into football this year. But, um, you know, I just, NCAA always had like this esteemed view. I, I had an esteemed view of the organization because you just, you know, it's branded and that's what you see mm-hmm. and you have it all. Um, but now that it just, it just seems like it's, you know, kind of all falling down, especially when we're talking about NIL and mm-hmm. it, so name and likeness, NIL. Right. Um, and, you know, that's one of the latest fights I've had with, uh, oh, our favorite, High School Athletic Association. We get to talk about High School Athletic Association. Um, but yeah, so the High School Athletic Association just came out with this ruling a couple months ago that says that high school students can now participate in NIL. 
How much of a take? How much of a cut does the uh, North Carolina High School Athletic Association get? Let me guess. They will negotiate the contracts and the rates and keep a small administrative fee. Yeah. So I have a huge problem with that. So let's not even get into the is NIL good for high school or not. The, we have a, we need to debate that more heavily. But the the crux of the problem is is that the High School Athletic Association they don't have the authority. They do not have the authority to make that rule. They do not. When it comes to making the trains work on time to make sure that the games go on, yes. But eligibility, player criteria, all that other stuff, that is a direct function of the Board of Education. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually had to stop them. I amended a bill um, to add to, to not allow the NIL or to make sure that the a state board actually does that. But, you know, these high school principals were getting this directive from the High School Athletic Association, which totally, again, usurped its power. Um, and we had to say, stop, wait a minute, this is not your decision. You are not allowed to make those decisions. But David, when we're talking about high school athletics, should a play, in your opinion, should a player be able to participate in an NIL contract? So um, here's what I will say. High school athletics is a much different animal than um, – college athletics primarily because you are dealing with minors mm -hmm. and the the I don't necessarily have I mean I'm a free market guy if if you're a high school athlete and someone you know would like to you know throw your likeness on something or something like that you should be able to do that however the the restrictions and safeguards in consultation with parents and to make sure that you know these kids are not exploited that these kids are not taken advantage of there there's so much uh, in principle I don't necessarily have a problem with it in practice I would say heavily, heavily, heavily ruled and regulated mm -hmm. um, to ensure that we are protecting these, and they are kids, right. uh, to make sure that they are not being uh, uh, taken advantage of, that they are not being put in situations to ruin their future eligibility should they be able to move on and play in college, mm -hmm. um, should they not be taken advantage of by institutions and people, because once money becomes in there, yeah. the opportunity for these kids to be exploited and taken advantage of is, is fairly substantial. So in principle, no, but in practice, a lot of discussion in my mind would have to take place before I would be comfortable with it. Yeah, same here. So I, I've, I've just been on both sides of it because like you, I'm a free market and I, I want to know that, but again, these are minors and is when a company comes in and wants to throw money around at kids, I mean, there's this inherent traps, landmines everywhere. Absolutely, right? 100%. Landmines Another reason why a third party private organization called the High School Athletic Association should not be making those decisions. That is a public decision to be made by a public body and that we should uh, air everything out and go through the committee process to see if that should work. Not doing it behind closed doors at a private company's meeting. And that's what happened. And yep, 100%. And yeah. I agree. And so, um, but uh, with the time that we have left, though, I do want to jump yeah. in. Veto override season oh, is in full effect. Um, you got, I think, um, is now, is the General Assembly undefeated on veto overrides currently? Yes, currently okay, Currently undefeated. undefeated. Very currently nice. Currently undefeated. Nice streak going. And we're going to see Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday or Thursday this week, we're going to see some action. So we are coming back uh, and we'll see what the numbers look like for the week of business. Um, we do have a ton of vetoes to look at. Now, a lot of the bills that the governor vetoed did originate in the House. So when remember when the bill says H333, mm -hmm. it means House Bill 333. So that means when it gets um, overridden, it starts in the House, right? So uh, most of these bills that we have looked at, especially the controversial ones, are House bills. There's only, I think, one senator bill that's coming up. But these are those hot topic issues that you've seen a lot of people coming through with. You know, the charter school omnibus bill, uh, that's a House bill. That was um, vetoed, of course. There's a review board that was vetoed, uh, charter school review board. Um, but the the ones that are going to be the hot ones as far as you'll see a lot of us in the, in the news is um, the 
House Bill 808, gender transition of minors. That means basically, hey, until you're 18, you do not do puberty blockers or you do not do any kind of chemical castration or or surgical castration of anybody until they're an adult, right? So it's amazing to me that that is controversial. Me too. Like, like it's me amazing to too. me that there are people out there saying, "Oh no, 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 absolutely not." I, I just, it's like, like wait till you know an adult, right? Just let it be. Like, and it just amazes me that it, the things that we find controversial yeah. today, like to me, that would be like common sense. Yeah, and like five years ago, that the, would be common the sense. The same group and out there on Twitter that was calling me and Senator Berger pedophiles for doing raising the age of marriage to sixteen, but not eighteen, but then putting that four year cap in. That same group who are saying that seventeen and eighteen year olds shouldn't be married with parental consent are the ones who are saying that you should be able to cut off healthy be, breast yeah. tissue. Yeah. What is up with that? That is just weird. Like yeah. where, how do you reconcile that in your brain? You don't, you don't. <laughs> it's just because it's a Republican it's, and you hate Republicans. Probably. Or you're just whacked out of your gourd. And yeah. <laughs> you just don't. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, no need to offend uh, anyone out there who thinks that way, but I, I don't care. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think they're listening to our show. Well, if they are, they're just doing, doing it. So they can yeah, opposition oppo research. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. But, but no, but 100%. So, I mean, I think that's critical. Uh, my hope is, is that is an overwhelming override. Yeah. I, I really hope there's some Democrats that can at least get behind I, that. You know what? There was a Democrat who voted for the, another one that we're going to go for one that I've been championing is the Fairness Women's Sports Act. Well, basically is if you are a biological female, you play biological female sports. That's it. Mm -hmm. If you are a biological male, you pay male sports. And if you want to wear a dress to practice, go for it. Mm -hmm. But you bet when you get on there, you can be the best male athlete you want to. And, you know, I mean, th there's nothing to say you can't play sports if you choose to be transgender. We're just saying that if you're a girl, you play girl sports. A biological girl plays biological girl sports. Um, so that one, that one is coming up. And then the other one is the Parents' Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. And so that one is just basically saying that, hey, you know, school systems, if you're doing some things, don't talk about don't talk about sex to my kindergarten through fourth grader. That's like five through nine years old. Mm -hmm. That is. Don't talk about sex. Yeah. Don't put it in the curriculum. If someone, you know, that's that's the thing. It's not to say you can't say it and this is saying don't say gay. Nothing in this legislation has says anything about heterosexual or homosexual sex. None of that. All it's saying is that do not put in the curriculum anything about sex. And yeah. I think I'm okay with that, right? Yeah. Well, well, why are we sexualizing I'm be, children? I'm, I'm going to be fair with you. I'm a little uncomfortable with the fact you're talking about it now. And I'm, <laughs> I am a I am a, a, a fairly adult, long-in-the-tooth adult on this kind of thing. So, you know, hopefully hopefully those things will get overridden and yeah. go into law. Yeah. Um, and uh, But, you know, a lot of work still left to do in Raleigh. I know it you is. all were hoping to be home full-time now, but I am very excited. The fact that I was finally back with you in studio. Glad um, to hopefully have you. now we can keep uh, this going, but yeah. want to thank everybody for joining us on We're Just Saying on WSIC News. We will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend.